welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is Robert Jan de Vos, sports physician in the Erasmus Medical Center in the Netherlands. The topic of this podcast is imaging and treatment of acute hamstring injuries. And I'm very happy to introduce our guest, Gustav Röhring, who is finishing his thesis in this research area. He is already a degree as a movement scientist and currently he is a resident in sports medicine in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. We worked together in the Aspadar Sports Medicine Hospital in Qatar, where he left a tremendous impression as a clinical researcher. And I would like to welcome you, Gustav. Thank you. Thank you for this kind introduction. Okay, great. Today we will discuss some of your interesting study outcomes. Recently you published uh, a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine about the role of platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, uh, injection in acute hamstring injuries. And of course, I'd like to start off with this one, uh, Gustav. So can you tell us more about the study design? Yes, yes. Um, what we did is that we performed uh, a double-blind, placebo-controlled, uh, randomized-controlled trial on the effect of uh, PRP in uh, acute hamstring injuries. Uh, in this research, we uh, randomized uh, 80 athletes with uh, MRI-confirmed uh, hamstring injuries uh, in a treatment group or a control group. Um, each treatment group uh, received uh, two injections. Uh, the first injection was within five days of the injury and the second uh, injection uh, five to seven days later. Um, the treatment group received, uh, of course, uh, PRP injections, uh, and the control group, who was blinded uh, also for the content of the injections, uh, got a isotonic saline injection, so a really a placebo uh, injection. Um, all the athletes performed additional uh, a progressive rehabilitation program. Um, this progression through this uh, program was based on functional performance criteria and it, it was really aimed at a return to play as soon as possible. Uh, after these interventions, we followed the athletes for six months uh, and we saw them regularly on our uh, outpatient clinic. Um, and our primary outcome measure, what we were interested in, was the time that the players needed to return to full sports activity. Uh, we measured a lot of secondary outcome measures, but I think the main uh, secondary outcome measure was uh, yeah, the re-injury rate uh, that occurred within two months after the athletes uh, returned to play. So that's, uh, in brief, the study design of our study. Okay, great. And can, can you tell us something more about the patient characteristics? Um, yes, these were uh, amateur athletes, so non-professional athletes. Um, they were from all different kinds of sports, but the majority, uh, like almost uh, two-thirds of all the patients, were football players who played on a, uh, yeah, on a uh, amateur uh, high level. That means they were really aimed at um, uh, performing very well and uh, trained like two to three times a week. Um, so not the professional athletes, but just the, the level below uh, the professional athletes. Okay, clear. Yeah. And can you tell us something about the injection procedure? Was it done uh, under guidance of ultrasound or uh, blinded? Um, no, it was uh, ultrasound guidance. Uh, what we uh, we did a quite comprehensive setup to localize uh, the uh, injection location. That it was really uh, at the place of the injury. So first, all uh, athletes got an MRI. Um, before they went into the MRI, they got a marker on uh, on their skin. So using the MRI, we could exactly calculate uh, what, what the injection place should be um, according to this marker. Um, when we calculated the depth and the place of the injection, uh, we used the ultrasound uh, to really uh, 
control the exact place of the injection. Um, so that was the procedure we used to, uh, yeah, with with the aim to be on the exact location of the injury. Okay, okay, very clear. It sounds like a very robust study design. And what were your main findings? Um, actually, the main findings were probably a little bit disappointing because we really found no benefit of PRP on uh, all the outcome measures. So um, the primary outcome measure the time needed to return to play was uh, a median of 42 days in both groups. It resulted in a hazard ratio of uh, 0.96, so almost equal. Um, and our main secondary outcome measure, the re-injury rate, uh, was also not different between the groups. It was like 16% in the PRP group and 14% in the placebo group. So we actually could not find any benefit of the PRP injections. Okay. So according to my knowledge, this is the first RCT in the field of PRP treatment in muscle injuries. Uh, and you proved that the PRP injections did not result in a decreased time to return to play. Do you have any explanations for these findings? Does it simply not work in muscle injuries, or are there any other potential factors influencing these results? Yes, yes, very good question, but also a difficult question to answer. Um, yeah, first of all, before we start with the study, there were some really promising results, uh, especially from uh, animal models. Um, in these studies, they showed that there was increased regeneration of myocytes uh, when you uh, looked at histology. Um, the important question that remained after these studies is whether this, uh, this increased regeneration would also result in an accelerated recovery in athletes with muscle injuries. And I think the important difference with these uh, animal model studies is that um, the athletes, of course, perform a, a real progressive rehabilitation program that's aimed at uh, uh, yeah, also at a good regeneration of the of the injury. Um, so our study found no accelerating effect of PRP on this recovery. A possible explanation is that uh, no accelerating effect can be found because this active rehabilitation program already has a, a regenerating effect. And, of, and I think the second question that remains is that maybe the muscle tissue regeneration on a cellular level might not be the limiting factor in the recovery um, in the time of re needed to return to play in these athletes. Yeah, yeah. So well, the question is, how strong can we accelerate the recovery of the muscle tissue uh, uh, with a, uh, a treatment that is additional to the standard treatment? Yes. And uh, another potential factor uh, might be that um, uh, well, the sample size uh, may be too small to detect uh, a very small difference. Um, so accelerating the healing for two or three days could be clinically very relevant for a top-level athlete. Uh, but well, it, it, it may be that the sample size may be uh, uh, too small to detect such a difference. And do you think it could be a valuable treatment in high-level athletes as well? Um, you're, you're completely right that um, with the numbers uh, that we studied, we could not find such a small difference of two or three days. Um, yeah, you really need very high numbers uh, to show such a small uh, effect size. Um, I agree that in uh, professional athletes, two or three days could be clinically irrelevant. Um, and actually, that's not known. 
because it's, uh, we cannot uh, exclude that this treatment effect is there with our study. But on the other hand, uh, we could also not exclude that it uh, maybe delay healing for two or three days. So um, there is, at this moment, there is no evidence that there is an effect uh, from our study, not but also from not from other studies. So it remains a question if such a small effect size is there, but I think we should be also think on the other side that it could also probably delay um, regeneration uh, or uh, time to return to play uh, in athletes. So I think it should. I think we should be cautious and um, critical before we use these kinds of treatments uh, in our athletes and especially also in our high-level athletes. Yeah, oh, I can fully agree with that argument. And on another striking result in your study. Um, is the time to return to play. This was 42 days, you said, um, in both the PRP and placebo group. Uh, and in previous studies, this time to return to play was shorter. Uh, could this be caused by the population studied, or uh, do you think uh, that it may be caused by the treatment or rehabilitation program? Um, yes, yes. It's There's a difference with some other um, previous uh, published case series. So, yeah commonly uh, find uh, return to play within 20 to 28 days. Um, I think there might be some explanations uh, this difference. Uh, first of all, we performed our uh, study in uh, amateur athletes, not professional athletes, and the previous uh, reports are uh, in uh, professional athletes. Um, so it could be that professional athletes uh, have a uh, more accelerated time to return to play um, because they have earlier access to uh, rehabilitation methods, uh, maybe there's more pressure to return to play earlier. Um, but I think there are is more uh, possible explanations. Um, in our study, we had quite a number of uh, so-called grade two injuries, so the more, um, more severe injuries. Um, I think when you have an injury and you want to perform in such a uh, study with an invasive intervention, uh, it's more likely that you will join such a study when you have a severe injuries. So we had almost no, no grade zero injuries that uh, uh, want to participate in this study. They were actually also excluded, but also um, not a lot of uh, people with grade zero injuries that called us. So I think there is also a sort of selection bias in our study to more severe injuries that might explain this longer time to return to play. Um, I think that are the most important differences with the previous reports. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. And uh, again, congratulations on this tremendous publication. Um, I would like to continue to the role of the prognostic factors influencing recovery uh, time and re-injuries. Did you find factors that are of importance to predict the time to return to play? Um, yes, yes. What we did was a comprehensive um, evaluation at baseline. So we performed uh, comprehensive clinical examination, uh, history taking with uh, questionnaires, and also uh, the MRI uh, uh, variables that we measured. Um, we did an analysis, a uh, multivariate analysis with all these uh, factors, and actually found only two factors that... Uh, are important to uh, predict the time to return to play. And uh, the first factor was uh, maybe a little bit surprising, but what the self-estimated time to return to play of the athlete 
uh, was the most strong uh, factor that uh, predicted the time to return to play. Just so we simply asked the patients, how long do you think this uh, injury will take? And actually that was uh, quite strong correlation with uh, the time they needed to return to play. That's a very interesting finding. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the second uh, variable that came out this multivariate analysis was the uh, deficit in the passive straight leg race test. Um, so actually these two are the strongest uh, prognostic factors for the time to return to play that we found in our uh, study. Okay. Um, and, well, of course, another problem with acute hamstring injuries is the occurrence of re-injuries. Uh, did you find any predictors for re-injuries in your study? Yes, we performed a, another study. Um, in this study, we uh, looked at uh, MRIs that we obtained at the time that the patients were clinically recovered. So at the time they returned to play successfully, within a few days we made an MRI. Uh, and we also did the clinical examination, and we looked at um, yeah, which which variables could predict uh, re-injuries in the, the two months of uh, not even the two months in the in the, the next year after they returned to play. Um, there was also some interesting results. So we found several factors that uh, were associated with uh, re-injuries. Um, the strongest one was that the number of previous hamstring injuries uh, was a predictor for uh, uh, re-injuries after return to play. Um, we also found that the, the degrees of active knee extension deficit, so uh, really a flex uh, flexibility deficit, was a prognostic factor for re-injuries. Um, a force deficit measured with uh, handheld dynamometry was also uh, associated with uh, re-injuries um, and also if the subject uh, still um, had some localized discomfort when we palpated the hamstring um, was also uh, a significant predictor of re-injury. So also in, in this study uh, a lot of clinical vari variables uh, were of importance uh, in, in evaluating the patient. Yes, yes. Actually, uh, none of the uh, MRI findings uh, were associated with re-injuries when we uh, uh, used this multivariate analysis. So, um, the clinical examination is uh, very important to make a you know, risk stratification uh, for re-injuries. Okay, clear. Yeah. Um, well, you already published uh, in the BJSM. Uh, that the MRIs of clinically recovered patients show abnormalities in almost 90% of the cases. And you also showed that the low signal intensities on MRIs suggested for fibrous uh, tissue is a common finding. And excessive fibrous tissue formation is often thought to be a risk factor for re-injury, as it can alter muscle tissue mechanics. And did you find an association be between fibrosis and re-injury? Um, yeah, that was that was the main question that remained after we published uh, that study. Is um, yeah, there are a lot of theories um, that this fibrosis is uh, the main risk factor for re-injuries, but it has never been studied or proven in in a clinical setting. So we have some pre preliminary data um, uh, in 94 subjects in which we made this MRIs uh, when they were recovered after their injury. Um, we found that uh, almost one-third of them had this fibrosis on MRI. Um, we followed them for the next year after they returned to play, 
And also here it was quite striking that um, the subjects that had fibrosis on their MRI uh, did not have a higher risk of re-injury than those subjects that did not have any fibrosis on MRI. So actually, um, yeah, this is fibrosis seen on MRI, and when, when the subjects are clinically recovered, is not a predictor for re-injuries. So I think these results, these pre preliminary results, really question, uh, yeah, really, really focus on the question: Is this fibrosis really a problem, or is this just uh, normal healing? And should we just accept that this fibrosis occurs? Yeah, well, that's very striking uh, indeed. It's uh, something you wouldn't expect uh, based on on the common thoughts uh, about this problem. Yeah. All right, thank you very much, Gustav. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, no, I think we had a quite uh, complete overview of the studies we performed and the results. So um, I think uh, this is uh, a good overview. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate that you gave me the opportunity to put a question to you and that you shared your knowledge with us on this, uh, on this uh, subject. And I hope you are able to continue as a researcher in this field and to provide more knowledge in the recovery of muscle injury. So all the best. Thanks. Thanks very much. And uh, it was a pleasure to uh, uh, work with this podcast. <laughs>